Hello and welcome to episode 11 of When Life Gives You Lemons, Go Vegan. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja. This podcast celebrates and shares people's incredible stories of recovery after making the transition to a low-fat, whole-food, vegan lifestyle. And today is no different. I am so excited to be sharing Hermione Reeves' amazing recovery story with you today. If you or someone you know has been living with... Anything like hay fever, polycystic ovarian syndrome, fibromyalgia, hormonal acne, constipation, asthma, obesity, or rheumatoid arthritis, which so many, it's such a long list. This episode is for you. Thank you so much, Hermione, for sharing your story with me, and I hope your story helps so many people at least give this way of eating a shot for themselves and see what happens. It can't hurt to try it. So I hope you enjoy this episode and discover like just such an incredible story of hope and healing. Enjoy. Hello. Hi. What I'd like is for you now to just introduce yourself to all of the listeners. Uh, I'm Hermione and I just turned 36 last week and I live in Perth in Australia and I've got, I'm a single mum with two little boys, one and four. So before we go any further, I'd just like you to start with your story. I've been a chronic asthmatic. I was diagnosed when I was two. I spent a lot of time in and out of hospitals and constant chest infections. I've had pneumonia several times. Had a lot of time off school with infections and asthma and on steroids and nebulizers and all that sort of thing. Um, I missed out on like a lot of sporting stuff. Like it was quite quite bad. I saw a specialist as a kid and I was on long-acting bronchodilators and steroids from the age of eight until about nine months ago. I also had a lot of allergies, really bad hay fever and food allergies. I used to get migraines, vomiting. I had chronic constipation like right from birth and they could never figure out why. They ended up saying it was because I was a nervous child. which is basically what they say when they can't figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, nervous disposition. (laughs) I was also chronically anxious, strangely. Like I didn't really know that normal people didn't lie awake imagining their parents dying, you know, when they were like five years old. So looking back, I realised I always had a lot of anxiety issues as a kid as well, which is interesting because I actually know the reason for that now. As I got older... I started developing joint problems, pain, dislocating weird things that people don't normally dislocate, like rib joints in my back, Um, and I have scoliosis. I started getting a bit more pain and kept injuring myself in my late teens and early 20s. And then I started getting heart problems when I was about, I think it was about 20, 21. Lots of irregular heartbeats, and they stuck me on monitors and everything, and they, they said it was a... I can't remember exactly what they said, but basically it wasn't anything sinister. And so they put me on um, they put me on beta blockers to, to slow my heart rate down, which because I'd get really bad tachycardia as well. So that made me feel pretty crap. I started gaining weight because it kind of slows your whole metabolism down. So basically through my 20s, I got more and more pain, weird dislocations, um, and then I got chronic uh, nerve pain. By the time I was... 26 so like this is 10 years ago now so by the time I was 26 I was on a lot of prescription medication for pain like every day for nerve pain they tried a lot of different things nothing really helped I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia which I believe you know about so yeah 
Yeah, I, I was thoughing that too. Yeah, that's basically we have no idea why you're in so much pain. Let's call it fibromyalgia. And I had all the trigger points for that, like every single one. Yeah, so none of the medication helped very much. I was very addicted to tramadol. I was on, you know, quite significant doses of that, struggling to hold my job down as a teacher, as a primary school teacher, because I was in so much pain by lunchtime. I was just hanging out for the kids to leave so I could take more medication, take more painkillers. The only exercise I could do at that point, I had such bad joint and muscle pain, um, was um, walking in water. So I, I did that, you know, three, four, five times a week. It didn't really seem to help <laughs> with anything. I was told if I, I was a bit overweight, I was told if I lost weight that would help with, you know, joint pain and stuff. So I tried so hard. I counted every calorie. I weighed everything. I measured everything. I put it on my fitness pal on the internet, you know, like the things you have time to do before kids, hey? <laughs> and it was just painfully hard to lose a kilo. I didn't feel very successful with that. When I got pregnant with my first son, I was 31. I had to cold turkey stop all my medication, all my pain medication, which was really hard. My pregnancy went pretty well. My asthma was quite bad, so I was on quite a lot of steroids during that pregnancy. And then I got to 18 weeks and I herniated two joints in my lower back, which was the most painful thing except for labour. <laughs> Ended up, I was at work and I had to go into hospital, into hospital and, yeah, it was awful. They wouldn't give me any medication because I was pregnant, basically. Panadine, <laughs> which didn't do much. So that was really difficult. And then after I had him, I ended up with an emergency caesarean with him and my wound didn't heal for five months. My skin just didn't close over. It just kept breaking open and bleeding. It wasn't infected and I had terrible pain. I kept dislocating joints and then they told me I had rheumatoid arthritis because I had such terrible pain in my joints and swelling. I couldn't even make a fist. Um, with my fingers. I was having trouble like opening cans. They did some blood tests and I had really high inflammation levels. I can't think what the term is right now. And they showed up some antibodies where they said I had rheumatoid arthritis. They sent me off to a specialist, um, but I was breastfeeding and I refused to stop because he wanted me to stop to take um, immune suppressant medication. And basically I refused to stop breastfeeding. So um, they tried me on all the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and none of them worked. I wasn't responding to the treatment at all. So they sent me off to a different specialist who said, oh, you don't have rheumatoid arthritis. You've got Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a um, type of joint hypermobility. And that explained the delayed wound healing because my skin doesn't make as much collagen and elastin. So all my joints are loose. So the muscle pain comes from my muscles basically trying to stabilise all my joints because the, the tendons in, are very loose and pregnancy makes it worse and breastfeeding makes it worse <laughs> because of the, the hormonal stuff. Okay, so I saw this, this second specialist at a bigger hospital and he said, you've got Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is genetic, explains the heart problems, the anxiety, the joint pain, the delayed wound healing, the keloid scarring, heaps of things. And his wonderful advice for me was, well, you're resistant to all um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Anti it's part of the condition that they don't work. And you basically, most pain medications don't work. So you need to go and lose weight. You're too fat and do more exercise. That was the entire sum of his um, advice. Because, you know, clearly I enjoyed being overweight and it was so much fun for me. That made me feel absolutely terrible, awful. <laughs> 
So basically I was referred to a hospital physio um, and I had about two or a year and a year and a half of physio there Um, and then they couldn't see me anymore because they'd kind of snuck me in on postnatal physio. And then about six months after that, I basically got to the point where I could hardly walk. I was the most overweight I'd ever been. I'd put on weight since since having Toby because my mobility was really limited. Basically, I couldn't even walk him to the local park. I couldn't do the shopping on my own because I couldn't push the trolley because it was too painful with my hands, my back. I'd dislocate something, um, usually a rib joint in my where you know where it joins to the back of your spine. That that was incredibly painful. I still occasionally do that, but not very often. And my mum's getting pretty good at popping them back in. <laughs> got a couple of friends who are pretty good at popping them back in now too. <laughs> uh, so I got uh, referred to community physio which is pretty much I was the youngest person there by at least 30 years. Um, It was all older people who had mobility issues from strokes or that had falls, um, joint replacements, that sort of thing. So most people were in their 70s, 80s, 90s sort of thing. And it was things like, you know, getting up off a chair without using your hands, walking around the room, balance activities, like like I'm talking really basic stuff and I was like what 34 at the time that was a pretty low point for me I'd have to say I remember my goals I had to make goals at the start of the the sessions and my goals were to be able to do the supermarket shopping by myself to be able to walk to the local park which is like oh these days it would take me approximately three minutes to walk there and back again which I couldn't do at the time because of the the severity of the joint pain yeah that was that was my goals (laughs) Um, and just to be able to lift him in and out of his cot, I had to get him climbing up on things and, and yeah, that was how bad it was. So that was really hard. So I just started, I got a fair bit of mobility back with that. It was really good. They saw me for about three months and I just started going back to the gym and I could only do like the recumbent bicycle and like, you know, the weights machines with no weights. It was really basic sort of stuff, but I was like, oh yeah, I'm back at the gym. It's all great. And then I unexpectedly fell pregnant again. I had horrendous morning sickness and then from from 16 weeks pregnant, I was on crutches for the rest of my because of severe hip pain and um, pelvic instability, which was really fun looking after a toddler while on um, crutches for six months. I ended up in a wheelchair from that. The pain was just awful. I ended up with preeclampsia as well, really high blood pressure, like really high. They admitted me it was like 190 on 120 sort of. That was They were having trouble getting that down. My, my blood pressure had always been a little bit borderline, um, which I was told was just genetic, so tough luck. And then I had polyhydramnios, so I had three times the normal amount of amniotic fluid as well. So they thought that meant he had some sort of genetic condition because it was so high. And it was very hard to breathe because I'm really short. <laughs> and, and and being on crutches as well, it was just really hard. Yeah, so then I ended up having him a bit early. They He threatened to come from 28 weeks, but we kept him in until 36, which was pretty amazing. That is amazing. But poor you. <laughs> I know. But <laughs> it was awful. And then I ended up, yeah, so he ended up having to go off to um, special care nursery. And I, my weight was so high then that I, I couldn't even deliver at my local hospital because, yeah, I was my BMI was too high to d- to deliver locally, which was an awful shock to me. <laughs> that was pretty humiliating as well when you, when you're told that. 
so yeah, I remember hobbling in on crutches and being really worried if I if I was going to be able to get myself onto the operating table because you have to get up yourself. Apparently, it was really hard. I had to get my my partner to help lift me up there because I couldn't even step up on a step, and I have problems with anaesthetics, so they had to get like the the head obstetrician, no, the head anaesthetist to to try and get my epidural in because I hadn't worked the time before properly, and that was all a bit nasty as well. That's another part of the condition, so. Yeah, all the fun stuff. Um, So then I had him. They took him off to special care. I had an allergic reaction to morphine. (laughs) So I vomited solidly for 12 hours (laughs) straight after a C-section. That was so much fun. (laughs) And they really pressured me really hard to to give my new baby formula. And I kept saying no, and they kept sending doctors up um, demanding that I give him formula, and I kept saying no. And it got to about 10 hours in. I was still vomiting trying to express something whilst vomiting in bed in a lot of pain. And they sent up another doctor from special care and he said, look, you're not going to get your baby back on the ward until you let us give him formula because he has blood sugar issues. So I said, all right, fine. So they gave him normal dairy-based baby formula and he immediately went into respiratory distress and they had to suction him and it was all awful. So they didn't cotton on. They just said, oh, he's little, you know, and he's having some issues because he's very small. So the next time they fed him, the same thing happened. Um, His eyes swelled up. He had mucus like running out of his mouth. And again, terrible breathing distress. The first time I saw him and they were having to suction him out because he couldn't breathe. And it was just horrendous. His stats dropped really low. Yeah, that was really, that was really hard. So it was about 26 hours before I actually got to see him. And then I started breastfeeding him. And every time I fed him, He would go into respiratory distress. His eyes would swell up. He would vomit. They didn't pick up what it was. They just said it was because he was little and having trouble and he had fluid or something from being a Caesar baby. Now, I, of course, was drinking copious amounts of milk because, you know, um, with breakfast, they give you like not only milk on your cereal, but then you get a carton of milk to drink because, you know, everyone knows, right, you need to drink it when you're breastfeeding. I thought I was doing the right thing. And, you know, I was having cheese and you know, all the lovely things that it turns out my baby was highly allergic to. So then came 10 weeks of screaming, vomiting, pain for him. It was just horrendous. He didn't smile for 10 weeks. He just screamed. It was awful until I eventually figured out about, we had a tongue tie. We got that fixed thinking, oh, that's the problem. He's just gulping air because of the tongue tie. Got that fixed. No, still screamed, screamed, screamed. Tried every single remedy out there, everything, everything I could think of. Um, He still just screamed and screamed, vomited after every feed, wouldn't sleep except upright on me. So I slept on the sofa with him on my chest because that's the only way he would sleep because he had such bad reflux. The medication didn't seem to help. And then about eight weeks in, a friend suggested to me that, oh, maybe it's a dairy intolerance. And I thought, oh, actually that kind of runs in the family. My brother was dairy intolerant, but nothing like the extent of this, but as a kid. So I decided to go off it. I went to the doctor. I said, look, I think it might be this. So he gave me a special rice-based formula. And it was the first time he had a feed and didn't scream, didn't vomit. He was actually settled and happy and he slept. And it was like a miracle. Oh, it would have been such a miracle. Oh, as a mom, I can't, my heart is just going out to you because it's when you can't help your baby and it's all you want to do, I can't imagine going 10 weeks thinking, oh, my God, what can I do to make this better for you? And every time I fed him, which is supposed to be like this comforting, make him all better, make him so sick. So, yeah, finally he started putting on more weight. 
he 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 smiled for the first time after I was off it for a couple of weeks. So I had to be really, really strictly off dairy. And it takes, I can't remember now if it was four or six weeks for it to totally get out of your system. So I was kind of co-feeding with this rice-based formula and, and, and breastfeeding as well until it, it got out of my system. And he just got better and better the longer I was off dairy. Anytime I have dairy, even now if I accidentally have something that's got butter or anything in it, um, he gets diarrhea, vomiting, um, stomach pain, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a dairy protein intolerance or allergy. They, they, they won't test him till he's two. But, yeah, there's no, there's no dairy for my kids at all anymore anyway. So I was off dairy and it was about three weeks in and I felt so much better and I hadn't had any problems with asthma for like at least a week, which for me was unusual. See, it was probably like two weeks, after two weeks I started thinking, wow, I feel a lot better and I didn't know why I felt a lot better because I'm like, oh, well, I don't have a dairy allergy, you know, why, why would I feel any better? I happened to be scrolling through Netflix and I saw this film called Forks Over Knives and in the little introduction bit it was saying something about dairy and I'm like, oh, I'll watch that and see what, what they say. So I watched it and I'd have to say that was life-changing moment for me, watching that. I just thought about it. A week later I got my husband to watch it with me. I dared him to go off dairy. He's like, oh, no, I couldn't possibly, you know, I could never live without dairy. You know, he would, he would, we would go through that between the two of us and a toddler, we were going through 10 to 12 litres of milk a week, at least two litres of yoghurt and then, you know, like a block of cheese and we were all very addicted, very addicted to dairy. And I thought I could never, you know, that's the one thing I could never give. I could give up meat easily but I could never give up dairy because I love coffee. And so, no, I, could, I couldn't possibly do it, but you'll do anything for your baby. <laughs> Best motivation. So it was actually in retrospect, although it was really hard, it was a really good thing. See, I noticed my asthma was heaps better. We cold turkey, like the 17th of October. What's the date today? 17th of October. Oh, it's exactly 12 months today. Oh, wow, congratulations. In flight base. Yeah. Yay. And I can't say I've been perfect because I haven't been. But huge, huge, huge changes. And, yeah, 17th of October, I remember um, we weighed ourselves and did measurements and decided that's it. So your, hus- your husband did it too? He did, yep. He watched Forks Over Knives and went, well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> I can't argue with science. And I did a lot of research that week, you know, looked things up, checked them out. I didn't want to go on some weird kooky fad diet because I'd tried the whole low-carb, high-fat, and let's just say it didn't work for me. <laughs> doesn't work for me either. That's just sadness. Just so much sadness. <laughs> and I hated my life. <laughs> I just wanted to eat rice <laughs> and bread. And, yeah, I just completely – and it was really hard at first um, to completely change just the way you think about meals because it was always like, oh, what meat do I have in the fridge and then what will I cook with it? So just like the way I cooked was really like – chicken tonight sauce or mince and spaghetti sauce or, um, I don't know, some sort of like sausages or something and, and carbs along with, with it. And, yeah, all the weighing and measuring in the world wasn't making any difference. I was trying, you know, adding extra protein because we all need extra protein to lose weight. Well, I thought that everybody knew that, you know, that was just one of those things that everybody knew, right? And, you know, I was breastfeeding, so I had to have lots of dairy. <laughs> I don't really know why I thought I needed heaps, but, you know, there was obviously to make milk I had to drink it, right? <laughs> It seems silly now looking back, but... 
That's that, that. You're not the first person to, I've heard that so many times. So it must be a thing that I don't feel like you're the only one to think that because it's. I've heard it so many times. Drink milk to make milk. <laughs> like, what did the cows drink? <laughs> yeah, they make plenty with grass, but hey. <laughs> Oh, and I had this one, I only knew one vegan and she was just a Facebook friend that I didn't know in real life because she's in um, Melbourne and I'm in Perth. And, you know, people would just make these horrible remarks about going and eating grass and, you know, rude things like that. And I just thought, you know, oh, vegans are all weird hippies. And I thought that too. I didn't know any anyone who, yeah, except, you know, I, I had no idea really what on earth you'd eat as a vegan, like. It's all salad and grass and stuff and how awful the poor thing. Just kale, 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 alfalfa. <laughs> lentils. <ooh. laughs> I like lentils now. <laughs> yeah, me too. I thought they were disgusting. <laughs> what I saw happen was I've had, oh, also I've got polycystic um, ovarian syndrome. Holy moly. And I've been, I was hospitalised quite a lot of times with um, ruptured cysts, which is extraordinarily painful for something so tiny. So at first they didn't know what it was. And, like, my first symptom would usually be that I'd start uncontrollably shaking from my stomach and then the pain would hit and it was just horrific. And, yeah, there was a few times they thought they were going to have to operate to drain the blood away, but they, they didn't end up having to do that, thankfully. But I would get them regularly several uh, four, five, six times a year, probably at least six times a year, come to think of it. So like one in every second cycle at least. That one would rupture. Yeah, I always had cysts there, but they would actually rupture and the pain was awful. I'd have to take time off work. That was from the time I was about 27, 26, 27. So I tried going on the pill um, and that didn't help much. Um, I also had bad, reasonably bad acne which seemed to be pretty hormonal, and nothing fixed that ever. I tried all sorts of nasty medications and face washes and proactive and everything, and, and nothing really nothing really helped with that. I remember thinking, gosh, I wish I could just leave the house without putting makeup on. Like, I can't imagine ever leaving the house without makeup on because I was so embarrassed about my skin. And I don't know if you can really see my skin now, but it's absolutely perfect. It looks it looks perfect. And I don't have any makeup. On. Well, I've got eye makeup on, but I don't have anything on my skin. That's just me. And that is, like, amazing. I don't even think about it now. I just leave the house. Aww. And how long has that been like that? I'd say it took about four months. Yeah, about four months. It probably took about 12 weeks, I'd say, so, like, at least a couple of cycles before I noticed it getting any better. And then it just I just stopped breaking out. I'd get that once a month. It would break out really badly. And then because my skin doesn't heal very well anyway, it would be kind of like I just healed that lot up and then the next lot would come out. Um, so my asthma inhaler prescription ran out and normally I would notice, but I had a new baby and I didn't notice. And my asthma didn't get any worse. And I figured out that it had, it had run out for at least four weeks completely run out and I never noticed which is just like normally one dose I'd probably be all right I might need a reliever during the day two two missed doses so like if I miss both doses in a day I wouldn't be able to sleep at night because my chest would be so tight that it would wake me I didn't notice four weeks and that was in uh December so there had only been two months this way of eating but I would had been off dairy for 
oh, since September, so maybe maybe 12 weeks at the most. I think it was less than that because I think it was before Christmas. And I just didn't tell anybody. I still don't think my GP knows because he thinks I'm some sort of whack job now. We had a big stand-up argument about my diet and how he said – I had to eat no carbs and lots of protein and he'd seen it work on his patients and rah, rah. anyway, I've dropped 20 kilos. So he's just shutting up now. <laughs> yeah, great, great, great. My blood pressure is perfect. I'm not having any more heart palpitations. I can walk 20 minutes down to the shops, walk around the shops, do the groceries, put them in the pram, the double pram with both kids in it, which is like 30, 40 kilos, and walk home. Yes, this is such good news. I love it. I've done two 17K bike rides. Oh, my gosh. Which is, like, amazing. And it was fine. I didn't even hurt the next day at all. I don't take any pain medication at all, nothing. Like, I took Panadol today because I had a headache because I've got a bit of the flu. That's it. Oh, I haven't had a cold. It's the weirdest thing. I used to get them, like, almost constantly, especially being a teacher, you know, because, you know, snotty kids everywhere and they touch stuff on you and, It'd be like every six weeks at least I would have a cold. And the weird thing is like I've had like a slight sore throat and maybe a bit of sinus pain and stuff, but I've never had a runny nose. In in 12 months I've not had a running nose, which is the weirdest thing. And how about your cysts? Well, I haven't had one. No pain, nothing. So I haven't had any more scans because I haven't needed to. Um, so I don't actually know if there's cysts there or not, but certainly none of them have ruptured. My cycles have finally actually just come back to normal with no medication, which is amazing. Losing 20 kilos helps. Oh, the chronic constipation. Turns out that's that's a result of the um, Ehlers-Danlos as well because you have decreased motility in your digestive tract. So, like, I had it chronically bad as a kid, like just about ruptured my bowel and no no problems. I won't go into details, but, you know, no problems there anymore. <laughs> my four-year-old son um, has, since he started solids at six months, has had chronic constipation, and I have tried everything. Well, I thought I'd tried everything, but I hadn't tried whole food plant-based eating because I didn't know what it was. I'd never heard of it. He, for the first time in his life, has normal bowel habits, and he's toilet trained suddenly, which is amazing. That must be such a relief for you. Yeah. I can't even imagine because it's such a, it's a big deal and it sets him up for life being frightened of going to the toilet. Yes. Like I was frightened of going to the toilet from the age of 15 till 26, 27. It's awful. I know, yeah. TMI, but awful. Yeah, it's been incredible. Um, and all my food intolerances have pretty much gone away. I don't push it with the gluten. But I can have the occasional bit of normal bread or something and nothing happens. Normally, I would be in crippling pain within half an hour, like sooner usually. Like I wouldn't be able to stand up straight and, you know, be stuck in the loo for a long time. I can eat it and nothing happens now. So That's awesome. That is so awesome. I ended up in hospital with really severe gastro a few months ago like really, really bad gastro. And they did blood tests and they, they were going on and on about how low my CRP levels were, which is apparently a sign of inflammation. And they should have been really high because I, you know, had some sort of virus. And they were really, really low. And I got them tested again and they're really, really low. So the inflammation levels in my body from being high range of normal to abnormal, well up there, and now really, really abnormally low, which is amazing. Oh, that's great. So I don't have no pain, but it's not something that I think about every day anymore. 
you know, instead of like hanging out for the the kids to go to sleep so I could take painkillers, um, I don't take any painkillers, which is amazing. I had fatty liver and that's gone back to normal. My blood pressure is normal. Oh, my pulse rate was stuck at resting heart rate of around 102. They said it was something to do with the valves in my heart and people commonly get that after pregnancy and it was tough luck and my mother's had that since she had me. She's not on a whole food plant-based diet. She's in the other room. (laughs) I'm still convincing them of the benefits. But my resting heart rate is down to 70 now. Wow. And I'm not on any medication um, except an antidepressant for postnatal depression. I am still on that. It's not been a miracle cure for me for, for that, but... As long as I take that, I just feel like a normal person now, which is amazing. That is amazing. Wow, what a ride. No more nerve pain. It's incredible. Even if, and I always had the same, similar thing, but like even if it just did one of those things, like even if it just helped your baby yeah, not be in pain and suffering, it would have been so worth it. Yeah. And just to have all this list, I have been writing as you've been talking, this list <laughs> Of things that have now improved as a result of a whole food plant-based diet, it's just, you must just be thrilled. Like, I'm thrilled listening. Thrilled. And I'd like to point out, I I dropped like 16 kilos with doing absolutely no exercise because I was still recovering from being on crutches for six months. I had like no muscle strength left. I still have a bit of pelvic instability, but I'm still breastfeeding. So they said that's kind of, yeah, something that I might be stuck with permanently or it might just go away. Compared to what I've had, I don't really care if that makes sense. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the time I walk to the shops in the back, it's quite sore. But then the next day, I'm not in crippling, I can't walk pain. It's a bit of pain. I can put up with that. Oh, I don't know where to begin. I'm just so busy being wowed by your story. It's such an incredible story. And I know so many people who will benefit from hearing so many different parts of your story because there's so many different issues like the asthma, the the chronic pain, nerve pain, the fibromyalgia. Oh, and um, I had chronic, like hay fever was so bad that I had to take an antihistamine every single day and I haven't taken one in a year. That's like amazing. That is amazing. You can't imagine how amazing that is for me. Like since I was a teenager, I've never been able to go a day without an antihistamine, except when I was pregnant because they said you couldn't take one and that was awful. I suffered. (laughs) You poor thing. Um, Oh, there was something else I just thought of that I had forgotten to mention. I used to have really bad anxiety attacks and looking back like since I was a kid, um, apparently it's part of the Ehlers-Danlos. They don't really know why. Anxiety goes along with it. It's probably a brain chemical thing they they don't really know but it it is a a symptom and when I was pregnant I had terrible both pregnancies terrible panic attacks terrible postnatal anxiety which I was medicated for from about four months after my oldest son but I'd still have significant anxiety and it sounds really weird but I had a startle reflex like a baby I still had that so if anyone would give me a fright I'd go (gasps) like this, throw my arms back and my back would arch. And like, it was absolutely uncontrollable. And my workmates thought it was wildly funny to, you know, hide in the dark in my classroom and then go boo and things like that. But I, and I found cold painful, absolutely painful. I was always cold and I'm not anymore. And the anxiety attacks have completely stopped. 
And the pain, the pain from the fibromyalgia pain, that's, I know you said got pain, but different pain. I still have like a a mild version, like my shoulders. I mean, I've dislocated them several times. So there's some damage in there and that's not going to go away. They're still sore from lugging around a nearly 10 kilo baby a lot of the day. (laughs) But I seem to have stopped dislocating, fingers crossed, for the last couple of months, which is amazing because it was about... By the time my oldest was one was when I was starting to have trouble walking and everything and dislocating regularly and getting stuck on the floor and being worried about, is anyone going to find me, you know, because I couldn't get off the floor. Yeah, that's all gone. Um, I can make a fist. Yay! No joint swelling at all. It's gone. It's completely gone. Yeah, all my bloods are not just normal but, like, healthy person. (laughs) Normal. It's great. No more heart palpitations. My gosh. There's so many. I have a a couple of friends who are living with polycystic and the implications of polycystic ovarian syndrome, the infertility, the, you know, there's so many different ways it can affect you. And, like, your story is just such an inspiring story and outcome from such a, a difficult and painful, debilitating is it a disease, disorder, disease? Syndrome. It's a syndrome. <laughs> yeah. I'm stuck with it. I can't change that. Um, mm. But it doesn't feel like a disability anymore. Yeah. I mean, I used to have a disability parking permit at 35 years old. No, 34 years old, I had a disability parking permit. That's how, you know, I've gone from that to to, to going out for 17K bike rides and they're easy. I could go further, but the kids get sick of sitting in the bike trailer, you know. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> so one of the things I wanted to ask you that is just so incredible were firstly, because lots of people are going to be listening and be like, oh, but it's too hard. What were the struggles in the beginning? Did you have any struggles in the very beginning? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, a, a few. The, kind of the first one was what on earth do I cook? I had no idea. I, I didn't even have friends who were vegetarian. Mm. I just didn't know. And so I went for like the meat substitute products and tried them because I really just didn't have a clue. I wasn't very good at cooking. Mm. So what did you do? You tried meat substitutes first. I did, yeah, mostly. Um, and I had like a few vegetarian recipes that that I had regularly made that, you know, my husband would eat. <laughs> Not many. I'd lived in India for a while when I was in my early 20s, so a lot of curries. I tried fake the coconut oil cheese, the or bio cheese. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I tried that, you know, just I tried the sub, all the vegan substitutes and I discovered um, soy milky light, which I actually liked in coffee. So that was good. You know, as long as I can have my coffee, it, it froths like normal milk. <laughs> That's very important to me. <laughs> that was a massive deal for my husband. He was like, if I can't have good milk in my coffee, I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah, that, that was what was the, you know, absolute barrier for me was but but my coffee. But, yeah, no, I totally used to it now don't even notice yeah normal cow's milk's just disgusting but the other big the other big difficulty I had when I started was that my friends and family were incredibly unsupportive they they thought I was nuts my my best friend laughed at me when I told her and she said oh yeah if you're still doing that in six months then you can tell me about it you know do you tell her about it now all the time (laughs) I don't have to she can see. <laughs> yeah, good. No, I don't. She doesn't really want to know about it at the moment, but that's fine. I was just kidding. She can see how much weight I've lost, but sometimes I feel like, mm, 
told you so, you know. But I didn't actually really think I could stick to it because I'd tried every diet and, and I'd never been able to stick to anything. I tried starving myself on shakes and calorie counting like crazy and it didn't work and I wasn't able to stick to it and I just thought, oh, well, I just don't have willpower. I can't lose weight even though I need to and I just felt I didn't think I could do it. But actually, I can't believe I'm saying this, it was easy <laughs> once I got into some different recipes and things. It was actually easy because I don't have to count any calories. I don't count portions. I just eat as much as I want to, which sounds incredible and drop 20 kilos <laughs> with pretty much no exercise, just from eating as much as I want and eating carbs, lots and lots of carbs. <laughs> I love it. It's the best. I found lots of websites. Um, Forks Over Knives have got really good recipes. Oh, there's there's just lots of um, whole food, plant-based eating. I watched every documentary on Netflix that had to do with it, and they were great. And then I'd go and, like, Google them and find the websites and then go to other places and save recipes. And then I'd try cooking the recipes and go, okay, that's disgusting. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> I discovered vegan parmesan. <laughs> Very important. That the, that the cashew one? Yes. That, that helped a lot. You have to discover nutritional yeast. <laughs> That's very important. I'd never heard of such a thing. I had no idea. You have to make friends with chickpeas and things like that. And brown basmati rice, That's a big. that was a big thing. That's the only one my kids will eat because it's soft like normal rice and it cooks in the same amount of time as white rice, but it's brown rice. So that was a big game changer, brown basmati rice. So we eat a lot of that. I don't even, I don't even eat that. I really should start eating that. You so have to try it. It's at Coles. We're eating brown rice, taken forever. Like This is 15 minutes and it's done. Oh, genius. It's really good. You've got to try it. I will. I'm going to buy some this week. So what, do, what would be like a typical day of food for you now? Breakfast is porridge or like birch and muesli sort of thing. So it's just rolled oats cooked with water. And then I'll put like frozen blueberries in there. That's my son's, my four-year-old's favourite. My one-year-old spits them out so that he's not a fan. Or um, I just get a fruit and nut mix, just a cheap one from the supermarket, and chuck it in with rolled oats. And then I just put soy milk or coconut water or just water sometimes and just soak it until it's soft and just eat it um, with fruit. So I, I, I try and keep my iron up. I did get a little bit bordering on anemic. What seems to work for me really well is just oats and then fruit, so something with vitamin C. And as long as I have that for breakfast every day, I haven't had any problems since then with iron. My iron's good. The vitamin C really helps with the iron absorption, and that that's what really works for me, and my kids like it too, and it's cheap and it's easy. So that's every day that's, that's what we have. And then we snack on fruit for morning tea, basically, whatever the kids want, bananas usually. Pears, apples, that sort of thing. Lunch is usually our main meal of the day, although that might change when he starts kindy next year. Rice, potatoes. My my son's favourite dish is potato curry. That's my favourite dish. <laughs> it's great. Potatoes and rice. It's the best. Totally. Yep, that's both the kids' favourite things is potato, rice and bananas probably. Thankfully, my kids are pretty pretty good. It took my four-year-old a while to adjust. <laughs> he, he was demanding chicken and mince and... Not impressed. Now he eats everything. It's wonderful. Potato and leek soup is a great one. Um, it's really easy. You don't need to put milk in leek and potato soup. And you don't need to fry things with oil. That was a revelation. <laughs> that was a revel For everyone 
I think that's the biggest thing. We're all just taught to glug it in, glug it in, glug it in. And you're like, you know, and when I, someone told me, cook without oil, I I just didn't know how. Like, how? I just well, that's not possible, you know, clearly. But then I tried it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, water. <laughs> Bit of water. Loosen it up. Nonstick pan. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, I was I was blown and now people I talk to that it's like how can you I, I can't live without oil and you're like but you actually can like we made we 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 made it up yeah and then all the oh, but how will you live without healthy fats you know like I'm going to go in some great decline well you think about it, it's not a natural food it's actually a processed food and yeah people just have a meltdown when I mean being vegan's bad enough but no oil is just like going too far you know it's clearly I've just gone too far. But, you know, I'm surviving quite nicely, actually, and so are my kids. They're doing really well, <laughs> really healthy. So the rest of my day would be like, oh, hummus, love hummus. Any veggies, even fruit, apples with hummus, it's good. It's good. Really? I wouldn't have thought that. That's because you're a mum that you've tried that. Your kids have done that combo and you've eaten it because it was left on the plate. <laughs> That is exactly like my four-year-old shoved it in my mouth, try this, and I'm like, oh, that's actually not too bad. My husband always says, like, I have, like make a Japanese, make a Japanese bowl and I'll get the hummus out. It's like, this isn't hummus friendly. This is you, – you're blending two absolutely separate cuisine styles. You can't – I'm like, I'm going to, though. I'm going to because I'm not going to feel good unless I have it. Hummus on almost anything, yeah. On almost anything. He gets very upset if it's – like this, this is an Italian spaghetti bolognese. I'm like – but I think I could add hummus to this. Oh, I think finding finding your um, spaghetti bolognese recipe that really works for you, that's really important. It took me a lot of trial and error and disgusting things that my kids wouldn't eat until I discovered putting a little bit of almond meal in it takes the acidity away and makes it taste cheesy and creamy and delicious. Lentils, tin of lentils, bit of almond meal, chuck an oil-free sauce in. No, that that is my biggest tip. I have never done that i'm going to my husband makes an amazing one but i'm gonna see about this one this sounds exciting it's made my kids love it it's it's yeah it's a whole different thing yeah like you chuck about two or three tablespoons of almond meal in at the end and it's amazing makes it taste cheesy and creamy and takes the acidity away it's amazing yeah you gotta try it i'm giving away my biggest secret here Thank you so much. It's really special to me that you're doing this. (laughs) What are your three biggest tips for people who are listening who are considering taking on this lifestyle? Keep it really simple. Don't try and um, cook every single fancy thing. Find like five core recipes that your family likes and be boring. Like we eat the same thing for breakfast every day. Do that. It's easy. Don't think you have to make amazing, elaborate whole food plant-based pancakes every day or something different every day you don't you know eat lots of potatoes potatoes like anything you normally would have put meat in put potatoes basically and different colored potatoes have different textures you might not know that (laughs) I'm sure you know that but you know I didn't used to know that try all different sorts of potatoes they're amazing potatoes are just the biggest tip eat potatoes and yeah just get online support I think because you feel very alone like I don't know anyone in real life who eats like this except the people I've managed to convert, shall we say. (laughs) But I don't know anyone. We're like vampires. That's what I always think of myself as. 
<laughs> well, it's great because people start going, oh, my gosh, you look amazing. What have you done? And then I go, let me loan you this book. Proteinaholic is my favourite. Read Proteinaholic, everybody. It's That is my favourite book by far. And that's the book that I've loaned out to people. Then people have gone, wow, I'm changing the way I eat. So for me, that's been the winner. I will. I'll tell my dad to read that because I actually haven't read that. Oh, you should definitely get it on um, Book Depository. It's definitely like, I. for me, that's the number one book I've read. It's succinct. It's got a lot of medical facts, a lot of references. It's very well written. It's very to the point. For me, that, that's that been the best book. I didn't ask about your dinner. You said lunch was potato. What do you have for dinner? Maybe baked potatoes with hummus. My kids just love roast veggies. Yeah, the occasional baked beans. <laughs> yeah, we have baked beans too. Yeah, veggie stir fries. More rice. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yum. Your story is so amazing. It is, not to say amazing over and over again, but it's, it really is amazing. It's just, it was such a journey and to be so unwell from such a young age, you know, majority of your life to be so sick and unwell and, and debilitated with a multitude of different illnesses all taking their toll on your health and your ability to enjoy life. And then to get in 12 months to be basically living without most of those, you know, like as you said, some of that pain and some of that dislocations have caused permanent, you know, more permanent damage. But I mean, everything else from what you said is pretty much you're living pain-free, medication-free. I mean, I used to take three different pain medications a day plus the asthma medication and then I'd have my TENS machine on, you know, sometimes all day at work even because the pain was so bad. To not have that is something I never thought I'd have. You know, I had 10 years of chronic pain and I just never thought that I'd get rid of that. I thought that was it and it was just going to get worse as I got older and I didn't think I would ever be able to do. I mean, even just I was thinking just this morning, like I have a, a – a pram with a toddler seat in it and you can fold it up um, and you lift the whole thing. And I didn't used to be able to lift just the single pram with the seat on. I'd have to take the seat off and then I'd struggle to get the frame in the car and then I'd put the seat back on. Now I can pick it up with both seats and just chuck it in the boot of the car and, like, things that other people take for granted. Like, to me that was like, wow, I can just do that easily and, you know, just little things like being able to walk to the shops, you know. That, that can sometimes just be the, the hugest thing. You don't take it for granted when you've, when you've not had it. That's incredible. Thank you so much, Hermione. Thank you so much. No, that's good. I think this is something people need to know because I had no idea I would have tried it years ago if I'd just known, but I had no idea. And um, you think you know things, but once you really research it, you realise, no, you just think you know that because you've been told it. <laughs> like you must have dairy for calcium or you'll get osteoporosis. Fully believed that, yeah. So I think everybody needs to hear this because you can't try something you don't know, you've never heard of, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope I hope that so many people especially hear this interview because it's got so many valuable, the constipation, the asthma, the arthritis, the fibromyalgia, well, it wasn't arthritis, but, you know, like that, that pain and then the polycystic ovarian syndrome, so many people are living with that every single day. So your story, I hope that tons of people listen to it. I'll obviously share the link with you. And do you have any work or anything you want to promote before we finish up? Um, oh, well, I make bags for a living. Oh, do you have a website? 
Yeah. Um, just Facebook page, LTB Design. LTB Design. If you send me through the little link um, in a message, I'll post that in the show notes. So it's LTB Designs. Yep, Australia. And I make bags with um, cork leather, which is a vegan, ethical, sustainable um, leather alternative. Nice work. Yeah. So that's, that's what I do with myself when I'm not um, being mum. <laughs> Thanks so much, Amanda, for taking the time to speak with me and for sharing so many awesome tips with us all. I can't wait, even though this was recorded about... I don't know, over a month ago, and I still haven't bought that brown rice. Why haven't I? I forget. But yes, I'm going to. I can't wait. I loved your tips and your, I loved hearing about your challenges and fears and struggles with adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet because so many of us have those challenges. It isn't linear. It takes time. So it's great to hear other people talking about the challenges and the struggles and how you make it work. You know, it's sometimes we make mistakes over and over and over again. That's okay. Just keep moving forward in the journey and see what happens for your health. So thank you so much, Amani. That was amazing. I loved all of it. Next week's guest will be another awesome plant-based doctor, so don't miss out on that. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, and if you leave a five-star rating and a review, you'll help so many more people find this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you'll also help them if they do need to find a little bit of vegan hope to find some. Yeah, so thank you so much. Have a great day. See you next week. Bye.